The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk in partnership with TheChairShot.com, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network and in association with NDPW.com. Turnbuckle Talk is sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST. Turnbuckle Talk is also partnered with Phoenix at FNXFit.com, where you get 15% off all your health supplements simply by using promo code TBTALKPOD. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TV Talk Pod. Listen on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you catch your favorite programs. And now, pro wrestling fanatics, are you ready? Here are your hosts, Mighty Joe Morin and Carl Carafel. That is right, everybody. We are here. Again, I am Carl Carafel alongside Mighty Joe, and this is Turnbuckle Talk. Holy crap, episode 221, we just keep climbing up closer to that next milestone of 300. It's going to take us a little while, but God damn it, we are going to get there. What's been going on, brother? <laughs> yeah. Not a whole heck of a lot this week uh, entailed a lot of work. And work and work and work and work. Uh, it was a very busy work week. Um, today we had, well, it started uh, probably about four o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time, and went till about 4.35 Eastern Standard Time. We got dumped with a whole crap ton of rain. Uh, and now the sun is out and it's shiny again. So good day. Good day. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, for myself... I don't know if you guys can kind of hear uh, with these. You might have noticed in the last show, too. Uh, I am no longer a night shift worker on my, quote-unquote, mark, my actual day job now. Um, uh, I've uh, switched uh, companies. I'm not going to say who, who necessarily. Not everybody needs to know. But uh, I work a day shift now, and I'm a much happier individual having said so. But, you know, Terminical Talk might not always be on at the same time, but we will damn sure be on every single week. The time might just vary. But one thing that... that doesn't vary here, Carl. And I'm actually glad that we have it up in the graphics. Is there, we are still a big part of the Hitting the Marks net, uh, podcast network over at hittingthemarks.com. And it has been a while since we have talked to a certain individual who actually started that whole thing. I'm going to bring him in right now. Mr. Michael Jargo, back from a bit of a hiatus. What is going on, brother? <laughs> uh, he's doing his Orange Cassidy... Uh, Gimmick. Now, does everybody realize how freaking stupid that is? <laughs> For the love of God, man. It's about time you guys had me back on. I'm, I'm ready to get on here and talk with my favorite Canucks. <laughs> I'm sitting in studio 101 and a half as, you know, we're not quite to 203 yet. But this is uh, actually the first wrestling show that I'll be recording inside of the new studio. So uh, no pressure. I hope you Canucks can make it good. <laughs> it's fantastic. We're, we're happy to be kind of the first one. And, and dude, just uh, stoked and happy that you, you got your own uh, house now. It does come with some other responsibilities, but you got your own freaking place now, bro. 
Yeah, and and I guess I owe a bit of an apology. Um, number one to you guys, and uh, number two to anybody who listens to the HTM Podcast Network, because as I have been going through this moving process and getting things from one place to another, and internet set up in one place and another, and I haven't been updating the website in case anybody hasn't noticed. So, but that will be changing as as things get back to some sort of the, as Dr. Fauci would say, new normal. Normal. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you that it definitely has been something that has been missed. Um, I've had a few people message me and say, hey, what's going on with the uh, hitting the marks? I haven't seen anything in a while. What's going on? So I had to kind of tell them, hey, you know what? The guy who's running all of that shit is in the process of moving. So let's just Calm our tits a little bit and yeah. give them a couple of you know a couple of weeks maybe, and uh, we'll start to see some things starting to come back out. So uh, it definitely ha- is something that has been missed. So yeah, uh, it's it's very much a, a, a throw me a freaking bone here kind of scenario. <laughs> but you know, you, you talk about hitting the marks. Of course, there's my my other project, Destino. Yes. Um, and, and I guess in a weird way, Joe, I think this will kind of lead into your first topic, but you know, I quit doing Destino for a month and oh my God, what has happened to new Japan pro wrestling? I mean, you've got the champion vacating the title. We've got, uh, have you seen the x-rays of Will Ospreay? Like he hopes that he can return to the ring. Hopefully this year, I bet you, we don't see him until wrestle kingdom at the earliest if we ever see him again, it looks like he's got spinal stenosis both in his neck and in his lower back. And I, I got to get this out there, Joe. I know this isn't even a topic on the show today, <laughs> but people are flipping Shingo Takagi shit, thinking that this injury happened in the match between Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi. The injuries that Will Ospreay is suffering from right now, that didn't come from a bump. This is years of torture on that neck and lower back, and it seems like it's finally catching up to uh, a young Mr. Osprey. And and here's an example I like to use all the time in in this scenario, and it somewhat applies here. Even when things go ideal and perfect in a wrestling match, there is still such a large margin for error for bad things to happen the perfect example is D'Lo Brown and draws a sit down power oh bomb that even when you look at it, it's like, cool that see that all the time, but whether he just landed a millimeter this way or that way, dude's paralyzed for life now. Right. Did D'Lo intend to injure him in his career? Absolutely not. And then those who think so should be ashamed of themselves flat out. And same kind of situation with Shingo and, uh, will Ospreay. both guys are, consummate professionals and there was no ill will or intent there whatsoever i mean they're they're both amongst the best in the world but like i said doing what they're doing out there there's always a potential for anything ranging from a minor injury to a career life threatening injury it's the nature of the business and these guys know what they're signing up for and if they don't shame on them and the crazy thing is if you like Osprey has said what really aggravated it, it had nothing to do with Shingo. It was on the shooting star press. Yep. <laughs> and number two, 
Stop kicking out of shooting star presses. Right. Nobody should ever yeah. kick out of a shooting star press. For the love of freaking God, if somebody can pull that move off, at least let it be the, the match. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, one of those things where it's, and that's not the only move. And there's a big devastating move. Like it really should be the end of the match for me, but you know, I'm very old school in that respect. But uh, when I see kickouts of stuff like that, it does drive me. Crazy. It's the physics of it. Yeah. I mean, the guy literally is jumping forward and backward yeah. at the same time. Yeah. At yep. least have the respect enough for somebody that can <laughs> yeah. pull that off to let it be the finish. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, to kind of dovetail that into the, the actual first topic of the show here, almost 10 minutes in, and we're getting to our first topic, but it's cool because I'm glad that Jargo brought that up because it's very, very relevant as well. But kind of the the talk of, you know, the pro wrestling business, the internet wrestling marks, the uh, the dirt sheets, all that good and bad stuff all intermingled together is that there are talks between WWE in New Japan. And interestingly enough, seemingly the, the individual kind of – um, is the one that's being used as the, I guess, the card to play back and forth is Daniel Bryan, which uh, I, I find kind of interesting because I guess New Japan wants to use him quite a bit. Um, I, I know how Jargo feels about this, so I'm going to go to him first and, and, um, and then we're going to work off of that. W- what do you think on this whole nonsense? <laughs> do you read my T-shirt yeah. right now? The shirt might uh, be very telling here. That's it. That's how I feel about it. And if you're not watching the video version of Turnbuckle Talk, you're missing out on my wonderful shirt. Um, That's right. I I hate this. I hate everything about this. And I and I hate it because there are guys like Daniel Bryan I would love to see in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Absolutely. I do not want to see anybody from New Japan Pro Wrestling step foot in a WWE ring, my God, look at what they have done to Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. I mean, like you can just, that's the whole sentence. Look at what they have done to Shinsuke Nakamura. Full stop. No, I, I, I hate everything about this. I understand it from a business perspective for both companies. I understand new Japan trying to get more exposure in the American market as they try to launch new Japan of America. I understand WWE has wanted to break into the Japanese market so badly. They tried to buy dragon gate and that didn't work. And then they tried to buy pro wrestling Noah and that didn't work. They tried to buy stardom and that didn't work. Um, So this is a way for them to break into the Japanese market, which obviously thrives when it comes to professional wrestling. It's in my opinion, professional wrestling and baseball are the two greatest exports post-World War II from the United States to Japan. Um, But as I look at the, the landscape creatively inside of new Japan, I don't understand how this would work because you already have the bullet club which is basically the invading Gaijin team. So what would you even do with a WWE wrestler inside of a new Japan ring? And you know, it's not going to be Roman reigns. Like they're not sending Roman reigns to go to the Tokyo dome and lose to Kazuchika Okada. 
because that's what would happen. He would have to lose to Kazuchika Okada. They're not WWE ain't going to let that happen. No. You're going to get Big E Langston is going to go <laughs> over to New Japan Pro Wrestling and he'll go crazy for a couple of months and then a Japanese wrestler, preferably Tomohiro Ishii, will put his ass down and it'll be fantastic. Like sign me up for that. But I like Okada's not coming over to lose to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania either. Like, make no mistake, like that's not happening, you know. So it sounds really, really good on paper, but in application, I don't necessarily see how it works. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, there, there's, I, I guess, some. Um fun to be had. I mean, I would love to see like Minoru Suzuki uh, go after what's his name, Bugenhagen or Boogs, they're calling him now. And just see like Minoru just like, slap the cool. shit out of that guy. But uh, I'm going to turn this one back over. Or I'm going to turn this one over to you here, Carl. What, what do you think on the potential of this happening? Are, are you in the same boat as Jargo or are you feeling a little bit differently about this? I am in full agreement. A hundred percent I am. I mean, as, as as cool as it might be to see somebody like Daniel Bryan go over there, uh, we've already got North American stars that are over there. So do we really need more North American stars to go over there? No, we definitely don't. And I mean, if if, if they're wanting to, to, to maybe get some of their stars a little more mainstream in the Western culture, okay, sure. Have a partnership where some of them come over and do some stuff. But, again, going back to Shinsuke Nakamura, who was just obliterated and treated like shit. Shinsuke Nakamura is is uh, fantastic, and the WWE is not, uh, not really allowing him and not putting him into the storylines that he needs to be in to be able to showcase what he can do. Well, and, and, I think and, it's and to be fair... To be fair, though, some of that is on Shinsuke. Like, Shinsuke is known to be, um, what's the word I want? Lazy when he's not doing something that involves, you know, a world title or the G1 climax. Like, he would, there's a lot of really, really bad Japanese Shinsuke Nakamura matches, too. You, you know what I mean? Like, his work ethic isn't like, so he's not in there pitching ideas to Vince. You know what I mean? Like, I think I should do this, or maybe I should manipulate my character like this. And so there's a, a sense of disengagement that happens with Shinsuke. If he's not in a main event program, which clearly he hasn't been pushed into a main event program. So it's kind of like a, a what happened first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's it, yeah, it's definitely a double-edged sword there. I mean, if the WWE is not going to, push him to be into this spot and if he's not going to uh take the opportunity to show the wwe that he needs to be in that spot you're right it's a double-edged sword well it's so. like you have to motivate shinsuke nakamura yeah. and and vince mcmahon isn't into motivating people you know what i mean if you're not motivated vince mcmahon's not into you yeah. he's not a motivator no no for, for for myself for this it's just it, it's and I, I get it you know they want to get into that Japanese market you know we've touched on Jarvis touched on it where there's been rumors of NXT Japan and 
quite frankly, that It'll just never would never work logistically. You know, I've made the pitch, Jargo's made the pitch that Australia would be the proper move. Then they could, you know, branch out from that. But for for myself, for this, what just uh, what gets me with this is that they're they're just as just the the, the the whole philosophy and just they're so polar opposites of each other. We have WWE over here that is just purely sports entertainment at this point. Well, we're, I guess we're kind of like a hybrid between actual pro wrestling and entertainment. And then over in New Japan, it's very much so uh, more is of... Is it? Well, is slightly... It? I think of the last year of New Japan under this new president true. since Harold yeah. left. But in comparison... Is it? In comparison, it, it is a lot more sports like oriented um and the audience too is very very much even outside of covid restrictions and whatnot the japanese audience is entirely different uh very much respectful and there to enjoy it as a legitimate sporting event we're over in north america um you know, it is what it is. A lot of times they, they kind of take over the show and like, and kind of like want to be their own character. And I do get that to a certain extent too, but just, it just, it, it's so, I don't know. I, I, I just like, I just don't see it working on, on just pretty much every kind of level. The, the only way that I could see it work and I, I don't, wouldn't see WWE doing it is they basically purchased New Japan Pro Wrestling and just continue to operate, let them operate as New Japan under, under the umbrella without them touching. But we know that that wouldn't happen. We, we would have to get uh, in there somehow, right? So I, that would cost them a lot of money that they don't want to spend. Exactly. To buy right? New Japan Pro so Wrestling like, from Bushi Road. So I, I mean, because Bushi Road's not hurting for money in no, any way, shape, no. or form. And especially with COVID, like video game sales in general have went through the roof. So I'm sure Bushi Road is yeah. is doing all right. But I will say, while I'm 100% completely opposed to this, this means that there is potential for the dream match of all dream matches. The yeah. match that I, I never thought that I would see, but maybe there's yeah. a chance if you can give me a best of three series with Hiroshi Tanahashi beating John Cena in yes. the Tokyo Dome, John Cena beating Hiroshi Tanahashi at WrestleMania, and then you have a blow off somewhere, sign me the up. Yeah. That would be those two guys, a man. big redeeming I've factor. Gotta see that. That'd be a big redeeming factor. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'd Is like that to- enough, though? Is that enough? You could uh, you could visit the the Roman Tomatonga storyline, which I think could be very interesting if they were to just yeah, but organically. Yeah, that's just going to be happen. Roman squashing Tomatonga, and who wants would, to? See would it be that? that? Would it be? Uh, yes, yeah. it would be. Damn it! Yeah. Look at their positions on the card, man. True. I mean, Tomatonga is a, a tag team champion. That's true. Roman Reigns is the champion of the universe. That's true. That's very very true. See, that's why I like bringing Jargo in this program because he's smart. And I love Tomatonga. <laughs> uh, but um, Jargo is smart. <laughs> Sam but um, I think we'll be, uh, this will kind of tie into our showstopper segment this week. So we'll move on to uh, one. It's pretty much safe to say kind Man, of. Could you wait? Could you imagine having Haku in one corner and mm-hmm. a Samoan, like the Samoan dynasty in right. the other? Yep. Oh, it'd be yep. so cool. And Minor- then Roman would squash him. Minoru Suzuki versus Daniel Bryan. Yeah, but I could, I could, Bryan, your contract is up, homie. Just go to freaking Japan. <laughs> yeah, right? Just go. go to Japan. Just go. Just go. 
All right. Give me El Desperado versus Daniel Bryan for the junior title. Work your way up to Suzuki. Yeah, that would be very, very cool. Well, time will tell. versus Daniel Bryan. That would also be very, very good. That would also be very, very good. (laughs) All right. That's that's pretty much our only WWE topic here uh, for this week. And I I just have it on the run as, as a question. What's going on with WWE commentary personnel and the people in there? It's like it's become a revolving door. Like we finally, I think, really hit somebody interesting with Samoa Joe. And we were like, oh nope, that 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 doesn't work. And then we brought in. Uh, I honestly forgot his name because it was there for a hot minute. Um, do you guys remember UFC what? guy? No. Um, well, yeah, it was the UFC guy. I think he was an ESPN guy. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I've already forgotten his name. And um, I, I, I honestly, I thought he was okay. But he got Hardmark or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's gone. And then now we've got um I don't know who it is in the in the spot. Um like what what's going on? I'm gonna start with uh with you, Carl. what's your take on the revolving door it seems to be like, it specifically seems to be a raw with the commentary team? I think uh, well, I mean in the in this last instance anyways, with Ard Ard Varker, uh, <laughs> whatever his name is. Um <laughs> something uh, like that. He's 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 not a pro wrestling person. Right? It's like the Mike I mean, Adamly thing. It's almost like the Mike right. Adamly thing again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but mean, not to the same extent. He's a commentator for different sports, but he's not a world's worst entertainment type of person. Nah. I mean, that's that's the problem, right? And 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 I think we're gonna probably run into the same thing with this new person if this new person doesn't really know anything about professional wrestling and is just being fed everything to him in an earpiece um you're traveling you definitely are um you know to to different shows and stuff like that and even if it's only at the thunderdome that that you're going to but still you're going from the thunderdome and then you're going back home and then you're going to the thunderdome and going back home and then you're gonna have to go back for you know three four days to be able to make sure that everything's all good and that you're you know going over the notes and 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 doing all of this and i think it really wears on a lot of people who aren't used to that type of thing um I, I can definitely say it would wear on me. hundred yeah. percent it would. And I'm a professional wrestling guy. But to 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 be able to have to sit there and have things fed to me through an earpiece, I couldn't do that. That yeah. is not how I commentate. I commentate in the moment. Yeah. That's how I do it. To have something fed to me? No. Don't don't do that bullshit to me. I yeah. don't need to be fed anything. But these guys who aren't pro wrestling guys need to have that stuff fed yeah. to them and it's something that i don't know i don't know i think i think that's what it is now the Samoa joe thing i can't really speak to that because i have no clue no understanding as to why no. they would have done something like that but they did jargo is it possible that like we're just bringing in people that have like a good voice and then like carl says we're just feeding them lines because that almost seems like what they're going for, and they were just hoping that you know we're going to throw this shit against the fan, and hopefully it sticks. Okay, well, well, a couple things. Number one, Samoa Joe wants to wrestle. WWE won't clear him. Yeah. Thus, they parted ways. Yeah. I mean, like that's that's really all that comes down to. As far as the worst job in the history of the world, otherwise known as being the lead play-by-play guy for Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about this job, right? Three okay, hours. so number, you're getting ready to go back on the road. So you're traveling every week. 
you have Vince McMahon screaming in your ear for three hours. Your direct boss is Mitchell freaking Cole. And you have to be the play-by-play guy. You have to be the narrator for the show to advance the storylines. And you have to play the middleman between a babyface commentator and a heel commentator. There are two men on the face of the planet that have pulled this off successfully. Their names are Jim Ross and Mitchell Cole. Yep. That's it. That's it. They're the only two guys that have ever actually pulled that off. Hmm. And you're, you're bringing in guys that are play by play guys. They want to be out there and call the action and yeah. they might be really good at it. Let's see Mauro Ranallo, right? Yep. Absolutely. But what did Mauro suck at telling you the story? That's true. Being that plug man, yep. getting in all the ad reads, playing middleman between Corey Graves and Byron mm. Saxton. Morrow was really good at, oh, that's what Morrow was good just at, right? Just let him so, call the hey, action. Hey, hey, hey. You know, that's, just just yeah. let him call the action. That's all you got to do, right? Yeah. I mean, we, and, and that's what makes AEW a little bit different because yeah. you have Jim Ross telling the story and you have Excalibur on play-by-play. Yeah. And that's why they run a four-man booth instead of a three-man booth. You know, uh, you look at New Japan Pro Wrestling. Kevin Kelly is basically Jim Ross. He learned from Jim Ross, but he calls it more like a sport. You get more play-by-play in the the actual match, and then you'll have Chris Charlton and Gino Gambino kind of chiming in with the story from the babyface perspective and from the heel perspective. While Kevin Kelly just calls the freaking matches. What they ask of that guy, especially on Raw with Mitchell Cole over on SmackDown, because obviously we know he can do it, but whoever is sitting in that Raw chair, that is the worst job in the freaking world. Picture like you're you're at like for for our viewers here you're at your day job going about your business right and then your boss is like right here just rah, 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 the whole time that's that's kind of what it would be like like just like your and boss your like right boss there the whole time is the most weeniest guy yeah. who's ever worked for the freaking yep. company that nobody has any right. respect for yeah. even though he's really really freaking good at his job. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? It's li- like literally, you report to Mitchell freaking Cole. Literally every, every person in that position, like say that, like that's what they tell you that that's what's being pitched to you in the interview. I guarantee you like the average person be like, yeah, I don't want that. And and, and you look at the yeah, names sorry. of the guys that they're bringing in with any kind of success, yep. like Tom Phillips or Vic Joseph, yeah. they literally sound like Mitchell Cole clones. Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah. Vince just took a piece of Mitchell Cole's DNA, merged then, it with the Pfizer vaccine, yeah. locked it up in a freaking test tube, and out came Tom Phillips. Basically. And now they fired his ass too because he can't keep his willy in his pants. I was not aware of that side of the story, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Oh, you missed that whole scheme? I, I, I must have. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some fun. Just Google Tom Phillips on an airplane <laughs> and see what yeah. comes up. Yes. Cool. It might be some interesting reading. Interesting. There for you, Joe. Interesting. Uh, I will definitely check that out. No, it's not interesting. <laughs> it's not interesting at all. 
Oh, shit. Okay. Well, you know, needless to say, I mean, it, it's like Jargo, I think, nailed it. It's probably the most unenvious uh, position in Who professional would want wrestling. that gig? Right? So, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, John, yeah, you nailed it. Uh, and loving it. <laughs> Jargo ranting and loving New Japan, two of my favorite things uh, in professional wrestling as well. Uh, Listen to Destino. It's this for an hour. Yes, absolutely. Um <laughs> Let's, and for those of you that uh, are not seeing this video right now, yep. uh, John is actually watching on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Yes, just go to YouTube and search Turnbuckle Talk. Click that notification bell, and you'll get a notification every time that we go live yep. over on YouTube. So, yeah, yep. yeah, go and hit that up. Hit the like and subscribe. Yep. All right, next up here, before we take a bit of a brief break here, we might spend a little bit of time on this one, but uh, we, we might even forgo our breaking news this week because we've got a fair amount to cover here, and we have Jargo as well. Um, Sorry, I rant. It's no, all it's good, but that's it's all good. one of the reasons why I bring in this program. We love we love you, man. Um, so we're not going to fully cover Double or Nothing because an interesting thing happened here over with our friends over our love wrestling. Typically we would do a, a reacts or almost kind of like a recap of, um, the, most of these pay-per-views, especially, you know, the ones that stand out and this should have been one of them. But I mean, it was kind of so negatively received that even our friends over our love wrestling declined to do a reacts episode of this just because they, uh, they it just it didn't get over well at all, apparently. Um, I've seen the majority of the show. I mean, I, I'm not all negative on it, but there was some stuff that I would definitely uh, not dig. But uh, I just want to hit on a few things on this because, I mean, I don't want to turn this into just us burying this company entirely here, but there, there are some things I want to talk about. Most notably, somebody making a debut with AEW that I thought, I mean, I honestly thought that he was going to be a lifer in WWE. And we're, of course, talking about Mr. Mark Henry. Um, I was legitimately surprised that he ventured over here. I mean, I know his friend Big Show, Paul White's over there, I think kind of facilitated that. He even said so. But still, guys, I mean, I figured Mark was going to be with Vince forever. <laughs> Let's start with you, Jargo. What, what do you think on uh, the strongest man in the world now with All Elite Wrestling? Um, I think this is something bigger than Mark Henry. Hmm. How about that? Um, this was not a surprise to me at all because if you listen to Hmm. busted open radio, um, frequently before a big show like this, Tony Khan will call into the show and, and Mark Henry and Tony Khan seem like they have a very, very good rapport going back and forth. Mark, it's not like they're bringing Mark Henry in to wrestle. He's coming in as a commentator, but Mark Henry has made the comment several times directly to Tony Khan. You need somebody to come in and get that locker room, right? You give me a call. Well, evidently Tony Khan made that call. Um, So I, I I think that is big news in itself. Um, And I think that probably the best thing about this, as far as I'm concerned, we need more African-American agents inside of the business. And and it's my understanding that Mark Henry is going to be working in that capacity as well. I'd love to see him work with somebody like a powerhouse Hobbs, 
help kind of mold him, how to work his size. I think that would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, Scorpio Sky is another guy that I think that Mark Henry can really kind of hone in on. But, I mean, he's going to give that perspective, too. Because, I mean, let's face it, it's pro wrestling. And the way that African-Americans have been treated inside of this business is has been, you know, questionable at times. And Mark Henry ain't going to take that shit. Yeah. Mar- I mean, Mark Henry gives you that look that says, I will break you in half. And, y- you know, y- you listen to him. Uh, the other thing I think they can do with Mark Henry, and I, I heard Wade Keller and uh, Todd Martin talking about this last night. If you have Mark Henry as a commentator for like two, three years, right? And then maybe you have somebody like MJF makes a smart-ass comment to Mark mm-hmm. Henry one day. I, see I think there is mad money that people will pay to see Mark Henry come out of retirement for one match to get in a ring with somebody with a mouth like MJF knowing full damn well Mark Henry or Paul White, or some of these other guys they're bringing in. Like, you mean to tell me you wouldn't like to see Tash choke somebody out? I mean, yeah, you, I would pop like a mother, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 At this point, the way that Taz is running his mouth, I feel like it's just a matter of time until yeah. we're going to get a Taz match. Yeah, we, we got the Sting match at Double or Nothing. And hopefully that's the only one. It was very well done. Again, shout out to Scorpio Scott. Absolutely. Now, you hit on something interesting, uh, Jargo, with uh, bringing him in to become like a locker room leader and to kind of um, set that tone for these guys. I mean, we, we've had we've had Jake and guys like Tully Blanchard in there. Shouldn't that have already kind of been happening? Like, especially like Jake has always been like one of these guys where it's like, you know, guys need to know their place on the card. And, you know, he's very old school in that fashion. Has none of that rubbed off from him onto these guys at all? Not, not like Mark Henry. Yeah. I mean, Jake, Jake the Snake is the kind of guy that he is a locker room leader in the respect that if you're doing something wrong, he will pull you aside and he will have a conversation right. with you. Right. However, you need somebody in that locker room where something goes wrong after a match and you get a couple guys backstage and you've got this side of the locker room is kind of feeling with this guy and you got this side of the locker room or maybe you have the EVPs not necessarily getting along the way that they should be. Like, you know, we've heard rumors about Mark Henry's a guy that can walk into the room and say, Hey, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Jake Roberts is not that guy. That's, that's Mark a, that's Henry is that guy. That's a very, very good point. <laughs> and we'll even let that stay on there because it makes sense with the context. I yeah. mean, yeah, that was, a, it was a fictional quote. Ladies yep. and gentlemen. Yeah. Fictional quote. It fits. It fits. What do you, what, what do you think? Are you on the same way like as Jargo? Because, uh, I mean, now that Jargo's kind of explained it to me and again, why I like to bring him onto the program here makes total sense to me now. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, that's that's exactly. I I knew that that's why he had come in. Uh, it's been all over the interwebs. That's why he was brought in. Yep. Uh, they're they're going to be doing another show, and Mark Henry is going to be commentary on that show. And um, to be 
like a road agent, essentially, to, to be one of these guys that's that's looking for the talent, that's that's really trying, n- not necessarily always to, to be fully working with the talent backstage, but to find that new talent as well. Uh, <coughs> Bianca Belair. Um, I mean, take a look at Bianca. That was a Mark Henry find. Well, yeah. one that's in AEW right now, Tane Maraconti. Yeah. Yes. Mark Henry found her. Yep. 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 Like Mark Henry knows his shit and he's got an eye for those right talents. Yeah. And I think that this is this is amazing. I mean, we don't need to see him in a wrestling ring anymore. No. But I am loving that he is still giving back mm. to yep. and staying within the wrestling community. And not go into a fallback of flipping burgers somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. He's actually putting what he knows to very good use, and especially with a young company. I yeah, love it for sure. Good get for AEW. Yeah, and yes, like Jargo said, I would love to see uh, him come up for one more night to um, you know beat the crap out of somebody like an MJF or like an Orange Cassidy or something. That would be. Uh, some dirty, slimy yeah. little heel that just needs his damn mouth shut. Yeah. Ricky Starks, yeah. another one. Um, yep. One, though. Yes. One, just one and done. Just one and done. Yep. Agreed 100%. Um, and so, squash him. Yeah, like for a sure. Bug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yep. So. 45 seconds. <laughs> The other brief thing that I want to talk about with AEW is with the we did this casino battle royal, which they always do a double or nothing, and there's always this. <laughs> I can see the reaction already from my co-host, Mr. Carl Carefell. Um, there's always this what they call the the Joker in the battle royal. It's the last entrant. It's usually a quote unquote surprise. Um, in the course of watching this, I saw one particular individual come out, uh, and it was Pentagon. And uh, he was actually painted up and done up like the Joker. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Is it maybe the Pentagon? No, it could have been because they always show up on the screen. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, the Joker ended up being Leo Rush. Um, what? Nothing against Leo Rush, right? I, I'm, I, I appreciate his work. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan, but I, did, I get it. But I mean, like they were like, hype in this and speaking for myself what a letdown what a letdown i mean he got a little bit of a prop with the crowd but i was just like ah you know on, on the bright side of things though uh i'm not sure if this bet carries on past double or nothing but at least uh mm-hmm. with our friends over at love wrestling at least i don't have to eat my shorts uh live on air because uh, i did put it out there that if uh, either daniel or uh punk showed up at the show that i would eat my shorts live uh, on the air so um seemingly now my shorts will not be eaten but uh, i don't know if that carries on past this show uh, i will have to inquire about that but for now um that uh, isn't happening but what did happen was for, for me, like it was a big letdown. Like I was like, not necessarily like anybody but him, but I was just like for a surprise. It was like, ah, like it just it's it was so lackluster. What, what do you th- what do you think, Jargo? I think he was the right guy in the right spot. Yeah, I absolutely do. Look at the story that they told inside of that match. Did the right guy go over? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was was the last guy eliminated? Was, was that the right guy to put over Jungle Boy? 
Um, Potentially, yeah. Size-wise, it makes sense, yeah. Okay, so if that's the main story inside of the match, you have to have somebody that's going to be a letdown. You bring Daniel Bryan out there, you think Daniel Bryan's not winning that damn thing? You bring in CM Punk, you think he's not winning that damn thing? You bring in Minoru Suzuki, you think he's not winning that damn thing? It had to be a letdown. It had to be. And I think I, I think Leo Rush did as well as he could with the time that he got. I think he got himself over to those people who didn't know who he was, if they yeah. want to continue to use him going forward. And it strengthens the New Japan relationship because he mm-hmm. is contracted to New Japan Pro Wrestling, not AEW. Yeah. So were you let down? That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But but I mean you, you know like no. I I feel like as far as business goes it was the best choice. I think I think it worked all the way around. What what do you think, Carl? I've just been given a whole new yeah. perspective. I haven't necessarily been talked <laughs> off the I haven't necessarily been talked off the ledge, but it it, it does make oh, sense. Oh no, I, I definitely it, it, haven't been talked yeah, off that ledge it, either, but it makes sense now. I now kind of understand a little better. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Just with, with with everything that's happened in the past with Leo Rush, I think that still kind of plays just a little bit in my head. Mm. Right? No, I get and, that. And, and, I get that. Not having Leo Rush in that spot, that I understand. Like, if you have an issue with them using Leo Rush, that part I understand. But it had to be somebody of a Leo Rush kind of level, you know? Like, who else else would you put into that spot? Thank you, John. Yeah, you see, I I just, I, 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 I don't even know. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was. I think it was a good choice. I mean, because you need somebody who had WWE exposure, so it seemed like a big deal to a lot mm. of the audience, but still new enough. Maybe some people didn't have him inside of that WWE context, and then he, I think what he did inside of the ring was great. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I no, think it worked I mean, all the way around. The kid is super quick. Yeah, he, he he's good at what he does. Don't get me wrong. He's a douchebag. I mean, yeah, he's, yes. he's absolutely a douchebag, <laughs> yeah. and I, I see where people would have a personal issue with him using yeah. Leo Rush, but yeah, I don't know. Enough, I yeah. like it. Yeah. I, I kind of like it. Yeah. And just briefly, of course, you know, the, the big talk of the show was that main event. They did another stampede, uh, um, stadium stampede type of match. Um, for, for me, like it's been getting just briefly. I know we were going to talk about. It. I just want to touch on it briefly. I know a lot of people are shitting on on the actual match itself. For me, like the the way that it kind of played out and whatnot, wasn't really my issue. Um, for for me, because I, I I did sit down and watch the, that particular match uh, as a whole, and for, for me it was more of like just like production stuff because it seemed like a lot of it was pre taped and a lot of it was heavily edited, like a lot of hard cuts and look at things that were reshot. I mean you had live you had a full capacity crowd why did you just do this thing on the fly i mean i get with some of the spots maybe they wanted to make them look kind of nice and crisp but i mean that kind of thing looks better when it's just kind of raw at least in my you know personal opinion you know you have like the boiler room brawl or you get um you know booker and stone cold in the uh in the grocery store type of a thing you know like it can, it can work but just it seemed like it was over heavily produced uh and that was kind of more my beef with it more than the actual match itself 
I haven't seen it yet, so I, I, I can't really comment. It was not positively received. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it either. Well, you say that, but Wade Keller put it over. Dave yeah. Meltzer put it over. Yeah. Uh, Jason Powell over at ProWrestling.net yeah. put it over. I mean, like, sometimes I feel like we're so in the bubble yeah. that we don't look outside of the bubble. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. I did not hear I, a bad review about this show, but I also was not on social media at all. Fair enough, hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that for that Stampede match, I, I, I've heard and seen uh, on the interwebs that uh, people thought that it was better than the first one because it was done better than the first one. It didn't seem like just a huge cluster this time around. Yeah, It, it actually felt more like it was meaningful and not just a match to say we had the first ever type of thing, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I'm going to have to watch it for myself very soon. I yeah. do think it was a nice touch to have it finish in dailies, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it wasn't all just... But I think the, the most interesting thing about it, like what it's going to be known for is it was the first of these big cinematic matches that they've done. I mean, outside of the, the final deletion, you know, but yeah. th the big cinematic matches that like AEW has done with a live crowd. And yeah. it's, a, I think a large part yeah. of it is going to vary off of basically like an exit poll. Like, did you enjoy watching this on the screen versus having live action and, and how the live audience is going to respond. Is this something we're going to keep doing or do we just scratch the whole cinematic thing and try to go to the more sports-like presentation that we promised everybody <laughs> at the freaking beginning. Yep. Right. For sure. All Pandemic. right. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so for sure. I want to touch on just one super quick thing here when sure. it comes to double or nothing. Okay. Um, maybe I can say when it comes to all of all elite wrestling right now, and I'm picking on the referees, mm. especially during like a tag team match. Yeah. Okay. So that tag team match with the young bucks that happened. How are we allowing them to continue to stay inside of that ring? Double teaming. With the ref not doing something about it, with the referee not calling for a disqualification or calling for an end of the match or calling for something and just allowing things to continue and continue and continue. And I only say the Young Bucks because that's where it was most prevalent and I understand they're the EVPs, so we can't piss off the EVPs of the company, but... There's your built-in excuse right there, Carl. <laughs> but yeah. it's happened yeah. happening just in other tag team yeah. matches. Yeah. Just make it an I, angle. Yeah, yeah you definitely only should. do it for the Bucks. Yeah. And, that, and I would, you know what? I would be okay with that if it was only done for them. But it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's consistent well, across the pissing me is, off. The problem is we don't know the rules. That's the problem. We don't know True. the rules. Like, yeah. because like it's not like there's an official AEW rule book somewhere that we can go to and, and it says, you know, that you only get five seconds. Yeah. You know, maybe we're doing this under, uh, but maybe it's under Lucha rules in Lucha. Yes, yeah. There is no time limit but, whatsoever. Like, a, you know, in, 
in Japan, a lot of yeah. the time limits are doubled. Yeah. Versus, like, you know, instead of a 10 count, you get a 20 count. F- like, what exactly yeah. are the rules? If somebody would tell me what the rules are, that would help. Because, you know, it seems like Excalibur's playing off one set of rules, and Jim Ross is playing off another yeah. set of rules, and Skiavone is playing off another set of rules. And, you know, like, <laughs> oh, what's yeah. going on yeah. here? Like and, for, and the only reason me, why I mentioned mentioned that is is because I saw the referee actually start and get, got to five, and I'm like, okay. And then they kept going, and then they got to nine, and then they were like, oh, oh, just just oh one, two. I'm like, are you freaking? Ki-? You did absolutely nothing to break up after you got to nine, but Carl. then you started over again, Carl. Yeah. It's a work. <laughs> I know. I know. For me, for, for, for myself. But it gets me so heated, though. For, I'm just like, I know. Like for, for, for myself, like, and AEW is really the only promotion that where I, I get this feeling. It's like the referees aren't in there officiating the match, they're in there marking out to what's going on. But it's also, we don't know the rules of AEW. Like, yeah, they I haven't mean, established of, that yet. I mean, that's true. Because this is the first time we've ever seen a brand new company start. Yeah. Right, like WWE has been around forever. New Japan has been around since 1972. AAA has been around for like you know 400 freaking years down there in Mexico. Yeah. Right, like you know the rules if there are any rules yeah. when it comes to AAA, you know. But you know the rules; they're clearly defined over the course of the years. AEW has never defined the rules, yeah. and that's the problem. I need an official AEW rulebook on my desk. Cody, you owe me for all those times I've said Los Ingobernobles de Japón correctly. Send me a rulebook. Absolutely. Uh, Yes. 50 bucks. 50 (laughs) bucks every time. That's a fair price. That's a fair price. That's what he said. (laughs) All right, guys. Before we take a break here, let us get to our Match of the Week segment. All right, since we are blessed with the presence of Mr. Michael Jaro from the Hitting the Marks podcast, you have first choice, sir. What was your favorite match from this past week, uh, if any? Because I know you've been busy. You know, man, <laughs> honestly, I, I have been really, really busy, and so I haven't gotten to watch a whole lot of pro wrestling over the course of the last couple of weeks. However, I will say, uh, last week we had the one-year anniversary of the passing of Hannah Kimura, hmm. and... Uh, there was a big show held at Corrick and Hall that was kind of a, it was almost like a pro wrestling funeral, man. It was kind of crazy, like with all the video packages and, and, and people talking and whatnot. It seemed like closure for a lot of people. And they had representatives of 17 different Japanese pro wrestling companies all working on this one show including a couple people that came out of retirement um, that, that have worked at stardom over the course of the years. It was incredible. It was on fight TV. You can find the replay for 1995. It's called Hanakamura Matane, which means see you later. Very nice. Very nice. I have to check that out. And our viewers should as well. Good show. Absolutely. Good show. Sounds good. That sounds like I want to check it out. Um, Carl, what do you have for your match of the week uh, for this week? Nothing nowhere near as emotional as that. Mm. Um, mine's coming from the uh, buy-in pre-show. 
Mm. from AEW. We're yeah. looking the NWA Women's Championship. Serena Deeb versus Riho. Nice. I, I love Serena Deeb. I love anything not? that yeah. she does. Yeah. All of the work that she does from everything that I've seen throughout her entire career. And still... She's doing amazing work, and yeah. and I mean, going in there with Rio, that that it was just a really good matchup. I was, I was pleasantly happy, and that's yeah, that's my match of the week. Awesome. Well, you know what? It's going to be consistent across the board here because I'm actually going to kill two birds with one stone with my pick here, and it's actually going to make it. We're all picking a women's match for for this week, which is uh, I think kind of interesting because my pick also happens to be what we're going to be covering for this week's Turnbuckle Rewind coming out on Wednesday with our friends over at Love Wrestling. We are going to Carl and myself are going to be going back to NXT Brooklyn, Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Um, you want to talk uh, emotional matches? I think that, that definitely qualifies. Uh, that that's a classic. One of my favorite NXT uh, matches, and uh, looking forward to covering that with you, Carl. And I think our viewers, uh, everybody, are going to enjoy that. It's going to be fun. That's right. It comes out this Wednesday, yeah. and it's my match of the week. So there we go. All right, guys. We're going to take a brief break here and hear from our friends over at Collar and ElbowBrand.com, and then we will be back to talk about our showstopper segment with Michael Jargo from the Hitting the Marks podcast. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow. The wrestling brand. The dictionary defines hero as a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Being a hero in life is far more than words printed on a page. It takes an unwavering code, a compass that points true north always. And in times like these, it takes sacrifice. Hero shouldn't be a word defined by a dictionary. It's a word that should be defined by the best of us. Hero has a new definition. All right, guys, Carl Carafel, myself, and Jargo back here on Turnbuckle Talk. And as you heard from our friends over at CollarAndElbowBrand.com, if you use our promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout, you get 10% off your entire order over there. Uh, make sure and check them out. I'm wearing the uh, the Collar and Elbow Miro tee. Carl is also always wearing his Collar and Elbow hat. You can find both of those things on top of like all the other absolutely um, fantastic merchandise. A lot of it is even themed after some of your favorite wrestlers and talent out there. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Check them out. Oh, yes. All right, guys, let us get to our showstopper segment. (laughs) 
All right, so for this week's showstopper segment, it stemmed from a conversation that we had, I believe it was after a, our blowing off stream over with our friends over at Love Wrestling. It was myself, Parrish, and Josh Robinson were sitting down. And I just kind of posed the question. I said, what's keeping professional wrestling from really getting that mainstream appeal? You know, on the same level of like TV shows like Seinfeld and stuff where we're into like the like the double digits of millions. And it was an interesting conversation. And I, I thought we'd kind of go around the, the table, the proverbial table here, and kind of explore this topic here with you guys. Um, and I'll start with uh, with you, Mr. Michael Jargo. W- what do you think is keeping professional wrestling from really getting that mainstream appeal from your average person? Because uh, like to set the tone a little bit, like even today, for example, you know, I was wearing my My Love Wrestling shirt, so it came up with the, the average person out there. And... They this literally, well, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. They were like, "Oh, um, is that uh, that that WWF there? Are they still doing WrestleMania?" This is the mindset of the average person out in public. What do, yep. what's your take on on this here, Jargo? What's keeping this from from true mainstream appeal? You want the the long answer first or the short answer? I'll give you the short answer first. Sure. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. What's your long answer? <laughs> Too much stupid bullshit. There you go. It's a fair statement. Just, I mean, they went too heavy on the entertainment and not nearly enough on the sport. That is, is my, my real answer. Okay. I think if there were a product and it, I, I, I hate to say this because I don't know what AEW is going to look like. We have to remember we're we're about a year and a half into AEW and 14 months of those were in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Right. So to go back to what AEW looked like before the pandemic, it did kind of feel like we were getting that more sports like presentation with a bit of the entertainment, like of course Jericho's out there doing Jericho things, and you you know you're gonna have your vignettes and whatnot. And AEW does do very very good vignettes. There's still gonna be the storytelling, right? But the TV show, when I tune into a pro wrestling TV show, you know what I want to see? Wrestling. Pro wrestling. I, I, I want to watch the matches and I want to watch guys lower on the card, work their way up the card. And, and like, that's what people invest in. That's what people want to see. And I, I think it was Rick and myself and, and John Paz from uh, the two man power trip of wrestling. were having this conversation. When's the last time we saw somebody start at the bottom and work their way up the card yeah. till you get to that pinnacle and we came up with daniel bryan yeah wrestlemania 30 wrestlemania like that was the pinnacle right like is is there a greater like moment in pro wrestling than bryan hoisting both of those titles it's so because we watched him in ring of honor and we watched him work Mm -hmm. his way all the way to the wwe get fired and work his way back in i mean we had it a little bit with drew mcintyre but it happened during the pandemic so the moment got ruined like i feel like drew really got robbed of that moment when he slayed brock lesnar and claimed that title that place would have erupted. Yeah. 
but that's what's missing. That's that's what people invest in. It's it's not dick and fart jokes and three minute matches. And I mean, my God, on Monday Night Raw this week, we had Nikki Cross celebrating that she got her ass beat for two minutes. She survived for two minutes, which means that she won the match. She didn't actually win the match. She survived for two minutes. And she runs around like a crazy person who just won the freaking lottery because she only got her ass beat for two minutes. Yeah. Like, and you wonder why people don't want to watch this, which brings me back to my first answer, Vincent (laughs) Kennedy McMahon. Question for, question for you, Jared, because I I know you're a big sports guy. Um, Let's say National Hockey League, NBA, Major League Baseball. Typically, like on on a good day, what kind of viewership do they typically get um, for an average an average game? Like I'm not talking well, live it, attendance. I'm talking people watching on television. Like the average rate. It varies. It varies greatly okay. because, like, let's say you take an average Tuesday night in the NBA. Like the the main game might get, you know, two and a half, three million viewers. But the problem is there's a lot of people not tuning in to watch that national game because they're tuning in to Fox Sportsnet because they want to watch the Utah Jazz because they're a fan of the Utah Jazz. There's 32 teams. So at any given night, you've got 16 games going on. So if you really want an average, you have to take all of those games and combine them into one number. And then you actually get a representation of how many people are watching an NBA game. Um, and, And those numbers are who knows right but it also varies greatly when you get into the playoffs you know and there's only one game on and then you know you might be drawing five six million viewers for a game uh you you get an nfl game it's not uncommon for the national game of the week to get 11 12 million viewers i mean this is how fox literally built their entire network off of getting that early nfl tv contract cheap and then they just built the entire network around the NFL. It was freaking brilliant. Yeah. So I want to explore that when I when I kind of get my take. I want to go over to my co-host Carl here. Uh, what's your your take on this here, Carl? What, what's I, I imagine it'll probably be similar to to what Jargo said, but I do I want to get your actual take of why what's keeping progressing from you know getting that mainstream appeal, getting five six million viewers um, on a consistent basis. I think before I give my answer, I need to have myself a drink of our <laughs> non-sponsored Dr. Pepper. Well done. Now, now he's I'm ready. not sponsored either, Pepsi. Hook me <laughs> up, yo. Okay. Now, now, now Carl's ready. <clears throat> I think it's attention span uh, it is one of the biggest things, right? That's a fair statement. So, too much content, too. That doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of content. Um, people's attention spans. I mean, if you're going to go out there and um, have, especially like something on Raw, three or, hours, or, or SmackDown, three or hours. anything like that. I mean, I get, I get that it's three hours, <laughs> but within that three hours, you're getting what, 45 minutes of actual professional wrestling that's if happening. You're lucky. If you're lucky. The rest of it is all just gibber jabber from who knows what in in backstage segment this and i'm gonna hurt you that and that belt is mine this and it's all just talking people are like yeah i'm tired of listening to this person 
But Carl, it's it's that little 10-second program promo that you just cut, but it drags on for 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to yeah. watch a stand-up comedian go out there and talk for 15 minutes. No, and that's that's exactly what I mean, right? Like if and I get, you know, promos are, are awesome. They're great because they help build that story and they help tell that story when they do get to the ring to be able to have that big fight. But if you're taking that 30 seconds that it should be and dragging it out to be five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, people are now going, I don't want to listen to this anymore. Goodbye. And they click away to something else. Go back and look at some of the most iconic promos of all time. Go back and watch some Dutton Rhodes promos. Go back and watch some Nature Boy promos, right? Even the long ones are three, maybe four minutes. Yeah. And there's a back and forth going on. There's a dialogue between the interviewer and the talent. It's not just somebody standing in a ring full of 10,000 people screaming yeah. Trying to hold the room on a microphone for 15 minutes? Yeah. It's Are not, you it's insane? Good luck, yeah. And it's not just this. Yeah. So right. uh what we're gonna do then is uh you know we're we're gonna go out there and uh you know here's here's here's, here's my tag team partner H. right there. There's my <laughs> tag team partner and uh yeah oh. uh yeah. get away I from didn't the phone. You did a triple H impression. I, oh yeah, yeah he does essentially. Oh, I do yeah. Uh, yeah. I do a good yeah. uh triple H impression. Yeah. Um <laughs> not so good. So it, it's it's yeah. a just add, uh, to the so, end so, of every so, sentence. That, that's 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 all you gotta do, uh yeah. It works for, for him for or James Hetfield uh, from Metallica. <laughs> right. That's about it. <sighs> for me, I personally hate that they're doing promos on cell phones. Yes. It looks terrible. Unless you're using, let's say, an S21. What happened? Or an right? iPhone 12? What happened, man? We used to spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars on very, very nice cameras. And now we've just switched over to the cheapest shit we can get our hands on, man. Right? Yeah. And promotions are doing change? it. Yeah. Oh. And what I think and that's the what most... kills me. And people yeah. see that and they go, this looks like shit. Yep. And I think that there's, a, <laughs> a, especially with the WWE, a misconception that people are seeing which I think could be kind of referred to as fringe kind of content. And I, I think that they're mistakenly thinking people are, are watching this and, and thinking legitimately, oh, people are going to tune in now because they've seen this. No, I, I think a lot of people are, are, are just seeing this, and that's all that they're seeing. Um, but to, to kind of build off uh, you, Jargo, and what Carl said, and then uh, my kind of take on this, I definitely agree um, that Vince is, is a big issue, 100% guaranteed. The attention span... 100% issue. Tech talk and stuff like this has killed, especially for the younger generation. They have the attention span of a goldfish. You want them to sit down for three hours of a freaking wrestling program? Good luck. Guys, it's Good not luck. three hours. Yeah. It's not three. Look at the weekly intake. Just to be a WWE yeah, on top of it all, yeah. You yeah, got to watch yeah. three hours of Raw. You got to watch two hours of NXT. You got to watch two hours of SmackDown. Yeah. If you want to go and watch the shoulder content, you know, you can probably get another hour yeah. and a half, you know, with like Raw talk and, and talking smack yeah. and all that crap. And then you get a four hour pay-per-view yeah. once a month. <laughs> you know, you can be looking at 11, 12 hours a week of yeah. nothing but WWE content. Yeah. And ain't nobody got time for that. Yep. 
But I mean, I don't, I don't even watch the Lakers that much. You're right. For the love of yeah. God. Yeah. For for me, when it comes to this stuff, um, for my take on this, I think we need to go back to less is more. Less is more. Right. What happens back, to baseball? Back right? to the. It's really, really hot on opening yeah. day, and then there's so many games, and the schedule is so saturated that attendance goes into the toilet yep. until the playoffs. And then the playoffs, everything ramps back up, and you get the World Series, and everything's yep. great, right? The problem is in the WWE, there are no playoffs. Yep. It just keeps going down, 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 down. Yeah. And and with 50-50 booking, nobody gets over, so there are no yeah. stars. Thanks yeah. for that, Dwayne. If you wouldn't <laughs> have left so damn early, maybe yeah. we could have actually yeah. built another star. Yeah. But ever since then, ever then, since Dwayne left, nope, 50-50 booking. And then The yeah. only guy that gets over is John Cena because right. he was booked 80-20. And I, I think, and this might be a controversial take, but like to, to to give an example, you know, occasionally I will show my mother some professional wrestling, and very much kind of like Jargo would hint at later, um, she'll sit down, she'll watch maybe an hour or two, of it, and, and you know what she'll say? I wish I could just watch them just wrestle. Yep. Why is there Why is there all this other stuff? And, and for, for me, UFC. For, for me, for for me, what uh, at the end of the day here, I think. Like I said, possibly a bit of a hot take or a controversial whatever. Uh, what I, I think is keeping pro wrestling from achieving that true mainstream appeal is that I think we need to either decide. Because right now, especially the WWE, we're in this middle, trying to be sports entertainment and trying to be wrestling at the same time. I think, and I, I mean like across the board professional wrestling, I think all these companies need to decide. Either be just pure entertainment or be professional wrestling. Then... You're appearing to you're appealing to to a clear market either way. Trying to be somewhere in this middle is what's throwing a lot of people off. Like the, like the average person, like like my my mother who's a casual watcher, uh, or the other person that you run into, they watch this and they're like, well, sometimes I, I would either just kind of watch and just be entertained, or some people are like, you know, I wish I could just watch the wrestling part. Like just decide. Being in the middle, I, I think, is what's keeping because people I, people that like sports they love could, sports. We, we get we get like those five six million viewers. I think if we were to have just pure professional wrestling, I think we could get those numbers. I think you could pull it off though if WWE would pull their heads out of their ass and actually look at what they're doing, right? Because like. I feel like UFC does pro wrestling better than pro wrestling does pro wrestling yeah. at this point, right? You know what I mean? Like especially in. in the North American territories, yeah, right? You got sparing. two guys, two guys who don't like each other. They come out, no. they talk smack, they have a fight. Yeah. People watch the fight. People will clap for the winner. Yeah. You want one guy to win. You want one guy to lose. Yeah. Like to me, that's, that's what pro wrestling should be yeah. in a Western context. Yeah. But I do feel like you could do raw underground. You know what I mean? Like you could do something that is entirely pre-taped, WWE has a whole film studio, right? If you want to do that crap, just do Lucha Underground and just make it the first hour of Monday Night Raw. The entire first hour of Mm. Monday Night Raw is nothing but a pre-taped show where we shoot things from this angle and that angle, and nobody knows that the camera is there. You establish your narrative inside of the context that it's appearing, right? And there's nothing that says people can't go back and forth between that and the live show happening in the arena for only two hours on Monday night where you actually get to watch professional 
wrestling. Yeah. I think that would work, but Vince won't do that. That, for, for me, like that's what, what I think that the greater issues. I think we're, we're riding too much in the middle. I think that, 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 like you said, the way that UFC does it, that the promos and all that kind of stuff is a minuscule amount. We focus on the fights. You know, I think professionals can can be at its best, in, even in North America. I mean, it, it works very well in, in Japan. Like Jurgen said, maybe not so much recently, but you know, just to say, I think in North America, I mean, people love genuine sports. Present pro wrestling more in that sports like presentation and i think we can draw a bigger crowd every week instead of this hovering around a million or two i think we can get up into the five or six if we if, if we really focus on what even just for my day-to-day activities people want to just watch wrestling they don't want all the other bullshit yeah, and, and you, you and I, Joe, have, have actually talked about that before, talking about either do professional wrestling or just go cinematic with it. Mm-hmm. People go to the theater, uh, pre-COVID, go to the theater <laughs> all the time and sit there and watch a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour movie. Cinematic, they love it. They're enthralled with it. Yep. Cult followings from movies. Yeah. Lucha Underground. Perfect exactly. I mean, wrestling example. can do the same thing. Lucha Underground is the perfect yep. example of that. My other example that I have super quick is Dark and Dark Elevation from AEW. Okay, yep. so they're just on YouTube, yeah, but they wrestling. are going back to back to back to back to back to back to back matches <laughs> for two hours. Yeah. And they're pulling, it's not the greatest numbers, but they're pulling anywhere from 350,000 to 500,000 viewers. That's a twice week. of impact. Yeah. 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 And impact is on national television. Yeah. But and here's the other thing pro wrestling needs to do you have to define your narrative. Yes. And pro wrestling is great at blowing holes in their narrative left and right this hurts that doesn't hurt this is a big deal that's not really a big deal how did that guy beat that guy so easy when that guy just beat the ever-living hell out of that guy and that's the best guy like it, it let's be continu- continuity is what we're looking for right yeah. like and, and i need things to mean things Rather than doing Hell in a Cell simply because it's October, you do Hell in a Cell when the story dictates we need to do a Hell in the Cell match. You know what I like? It just, they just blow their narrative out of the water left and right. They, they, They need to get back to what they are and define what is the narrative at this point. Because right now it feels more like Saturday Night Live, where it's just like you have a sketch and then it goes to commercial break. And then you have another sketch that has nothing to do with the previous sketch. But you're not actually watching a show. You're just watching 16, 32, 64, 128, whatever segments a week. And it's all just under the WWE umbrella. Yeah. And, you know, I think the most important thing here is you ask, what can they do? What, what what can they do? Go back to the first thing you said. Somebody bring you bring up professional wrestling and they say, oh, is that that what WWF is doing? They still do WrestleMania. When those two brands suck, the entire industry suffers from it. 
if WWE was good, if WrestleMania was still a big freaking deal, then maybe the industry as a whole would see itself rise up. But Absolutely. as long as Vince is in charge, to go back to my original <laughs> answer, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, as long as Vince is running the show and just playing with his action figures and doing whatever the hell it is that he wants to do, I don't see it getting any better. Yeah, I 100% agreed. And for um, our viewers, anybody listening to this after the fact, um, on uh, the Facebook post where this episode will be posted, give us your take. Why do you, why do you guys think that uh, what's keeping professional wrestling from achieving that true uh, mainstream appeal? Let us know what you guys think. And, uh, and it doesn't uh, help that the mainstream hates Vince McMahon. Very, very true. That that definitely does not help the case. All right, guys. That's about time to wrap it up here for this week. We, we went damn near an hour and a half. Uh, that's why I always love having Jerg on. We always have great discussions. Um, <laughs> before we do go, um, get a chance to get our plugs in here. I know it's going to be a little bit uh, of a while here, Jargo, but uh, for those who are seeing you for the first time, you know, once you get back up and running, what's the plans, bro? What do you got um, on tap? Oh, we got to do a, a mm-hmm. soft relaunch of the HTM podcast network, which is still online at hittingthemarks.com. I just have to update the page uh, and where you can find you, me and my tag team partner, the real RBV, as we uh, we do Hitting the Marks, which is kind of a, a show about nothing and everything. <laughs> it's, it's kind of just evolved into a show about our lives at this point, which uh, is rather entertaining. It is. Um, it, it's more media deconstruction than anything. Um, and then I also, uh, I, I do Destino, a New Japan pro wrestling podcast, um, and plenty to talk about in the world of New Japan right now. Um, uh, although no. I, I think the ship is going to get rectified right here directly because I believe the original plan was for Kazuchika Okada to defeat Will Ospreay in the Tokyo Dome mm. and take back the title anyway. Uh, so I, I think, uh, Okada is going to put down Shingo and that's good because, New Japan Pro Wrestling, what they need right now more than anything is stability. And uh, there's nobody more stable than Kazuchika Okada. Um, And then uh, I also have another project kind of brewing on the horizon, which is uh, referred to as The Conclusion with Michael Jargo. And that's going to be a daily podcast. Um, But it's only going to be about five, ten minutes, just kind of my, my random thought of the day. Uh, so yeah, lots of stuff going on as, uh, the 203 studio is, is under construction and hopefully be back in your ear holes soon. Thanks to my favorite Canucks for having me on the show. I'm sorry if I rant and rave, but you know, oh. it's been a couple of weeks since I got the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you kind of know this was coming, right? I figured you were going to be eager to talk, and that's why we love having you on, man. Uh, before we do go here, Carl, I will give you a chance uh, to get the plugs in for, uh, for us here. You have already heard about the first one, collarandelbowbrand.com. Again, we're going to plug them because they are amazing to us and we're amazing to them. And we want all of you to go and get, even if it is just a t-shirt, something. Go to collarandelbowbrand.com, order a t-shirt, order a hat, order a pair of shorts if you're a woman. It doesn't, they got things for guys, for girls, for kids. They got stuff for everybody over there. Just go and order from colorandelbowbrand.com. While you're there, use our promo code JKPODCAST. Not only do you get 10% off, but you are also helping to support this podcast and vidcast, thanks to StreamYard. So go and check out colorandelbowbrand.com. 
We talked about StreamYard. I'm going to give them a shout out as well here because StreamYard has been a fantastic platform for us to give you guys a video podcast coined, I guess, maybe by somebody. If not, I'm coining it. uh, Vidcast, where we get to come into your homes and you guys get to see our faces. Well, this beautiful face anyways. I mean, that one over there. I mean, yeah, 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 it's, it's a face. If you need to, if you need to do anything with video and and broadcasting out, go check out StreamYard. Pricing is really reasonable. Go and check them out. And we absolutely love it. We are streaming around to three areas right now. Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch even. Go and check out all of those as well. Subscribe to everywhere that you can. Google Turnbuckle Talk, and you will see that black and white logo on just about everything. Please go and check them out. And then we don't want to forget about our fans over at Phoenix at fnxfit.com. You need supplements, you need workout gear, check out fnxfit.com. Use promo code TBTALKPOD. You're going to get 15% off that entire order at fnxfit.com. Dot com. Dr. Pepper, we need a sponsorship. We're looking at you. Absolutely. And for myself, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this coming to, uh, Wednesday over on Love Wrestling, make sure and check out Turnbuckle Rewind with Carl and myself as we look back on term, or not Turnbuckle, Take Over Brooklyn, Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Uh, it's going to be one hell of a match. Looking forward to it, to breaking down down with here with uh, with Carl. And uh or all the other stuff that you have going on with Love Wrestling as well. Um, since we have Mr. Michael Jargo here, um, I think I'll let him send us off here for this episode because he hasn't had a chance to do that in quite a while. So send us off, brother. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! It's me, it's me, it's an Armin B to be. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. We have weekly content, especially led up by the flagship show. You can find that all at HittingTheMarks.com. Run. Run.